It's another Friday and we're excited to usher you into the weekend with our Meet the CEO series. Today, we host Mvent's Bob Ogamba. Good morning, Africa. Welcome aboard your pulse on everything business in Africa. I am Ruth Adong. For more, follow us on Twitter at The K Financial and you can find me at Ruth Adong. Our CEO today refers to himself as a clean energy enthusiast who loves to code Meet Bob Rugambwa, CEO of Mvent. Bob Rugambwa is uh, is an entrepreneur, a serial entrepreneur, to the, if I can use uh, that term, a computer scientist and a clean energy enthusiast. Um, my background is in computer science. I love uh, I love to build things. I love to code, and um, I want to use the skills that I have and. Uh, build technologies that make the life of ordinary everyday people simpler and more interesting and more convenient. What is Mvent? Mvent is a fintech we incorporated in uh, August of 2013 in Rwanda and uh, we started uh, building uh, financial uh, technology platforms uh, in the payment space enabling uh, merchants to receive uh, payments digitally uh, we now run uh, a platform for digital savings and loans uh, digitizing savings groups across the country uh, and now we've, uh, we've we've now combined all that into a single platform uh, a mobile app uh, as well as a ussd channel where people can uh, make their payments as well as um, save either as individuals or uh, in groups uh, and borrow from one another uh, while doing all this digitally. And uh, of course, there are a number of other things that we're still building into the platform. So the the goal, what Mvent is trying to do is uh, make uh, financial services very easily accessible, very affordable uh, by leveraging technology. What was the need that brought Mvent into life? So the idea of Mvent... Uh, started in 2013 um i'd uh, i'd i been exploring the mobile money uh, space right from uh, uganda kenya uh and and rwanda and i'd been looking at the solutions and one of the things that always bothered me was uh, the lack of interoperability between the two uh, the two platforms so when we were starting out we wanted to do a a telco independent mobile wallet so regardless of whether you're on airtel or uh, mtn or tigo or whichever network you were using you could be able to dial the same code and get the same wallet so that meant that if you wanted to send money to someone on on a different network it would be straightforward it would be easy uh, and then we'd have bill payments so you'd be able to pay bills on either network uh, without having to fast uh, basically without changing the networks uh, of course, at that time, the the, uh, the regulatory requirements for entry uh, were way above what we could meet at the time, especially the capital requirement that was needed. And so at that time, we decided to start with the, with the simpler things or the things that uh, uh, we could meet the regulatory requirements for. So we started by helping uh, merchants connect their platforms to all their internal billing systems to uh, to mobile payment uh, services so that their clients would be able to pay them uh, digitally. Uh, of course, then the other biggest need, uh, especially in the market that I was in and that is Rwanda, is that we had very, very few services that were being paid for by mobile money in as much as uh, there were very many people that were using it 
and so we 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 started there and started helping uh and started helping merchants put uh, uh put their services on uh on the mobile wallets so that their clients could make payments using the same and uh, uh over time we've evolved uh, as a as a platform as a service provider uh we went into uh digital uh savings and loans for village savings and loans associations uh, and that was around uh, 2015 where we were working with uh, coffee cooperatives and we realized there was a big need for for helping them very easily uh, get access to credit or to liquidity while they were waiting for the payments from their coffee, whether it was uh, out of season or while they were waiting for it to be sold. And uh, uh, that is where we evolved and started looking at uh, products in uh, digital savings and digital uh, lending. Uh, we started digitizing savings groups because most of the coffee uh, farmers were uh, were using savings groups as their banks or as their way of getting access to uh, to credit. And we felt if we can digitize their operations and link them to uh, formal financial institutions, then they would have an easier time uh, getting access to credit, getting uh, the money that they needed uh, to be able to do other businesses or to even meet their day-to-day -day needs without selling their products very cheaply so that they have uh, the money they need for today uh, rather than waiting and selling it at a better price in the future. So that, that is where we started from and that is, uh, that is uh, how we have evolved to, to become uh, uh, the digital uh, financial services platform that we are today. Now the pandemic for most meant changing the business model to suit the needs of the customer. What has been MVEN's journey during the pandemic? Uh, so eight years in, it's been quite an interesting and uh, hectic journey, if I can say. And yes, of course, like um, every other business, MVEN was affected by the pandemic. Uh, when you look at our, at our digital savings product, uh, the rollout had to be uh, halted and we had to modify the way we were doing the rollout because now we couldn't hold physical meetings to do trainings for the end user. Uh, as a result of COVID measures and the lockdowns uh, that we had to go through. So we had to innovate and find uh, new ways of of working with uh, with what we had. So uh, for instance, we had to develop uh, digital training guides uh, as opposed to the physical meetings and the books that we were using uh, to train the members of the VSLS. Uh, we had to do uh, smaller group trainings once the lockdowns were lifted. Um, so th there's been a lot of evolution in how we deliver our products. Um, and uh, of course, also one of the other things that, uh, that has happened as a result is uh, we've had to rethink how users interact with our products and uh, what new products uh, we can create to be able to meet the market demand uh, that has evolved as a result of um, the COVID pandemic, especially around uh, merchant payments. So. Yeah, I would say that is um, that is how uh, uh, COVID has affected us and the and the product. So we are evolving a lot. We are designing uh, products differently or building them differently to meet the the needs of the market as it evolves. What does the future look like for the company? One of the changes that I'd uh, love to see in the industry is um, I'd love to see. Uh, an evolution of uh, regulation. Um, when you look at the fintech space, actually the financial uh, tech, uh, financial services space, uh, it's it's been stuck 
for quite some time. And uh, financial technology is beginning to make that change uh, and evolve. Uh, but the problem is that regulation isn't changing as fast. So uh, one of the things, the key things that I would want to see is uh, regulators and uh, uh, the mainstream financial institutions becoming agile in how they think, in how they uh, develop regulation, in how they develop new products, uh, because the market is evolving really, and it is important that uh, uh, the regulators and the main players evolve along with the market. They become uh, they become more agile, they become more flexible. So uh, for me, that is the key thing that I would want to see change in the industry. What are some of the industry changes you're hoping to see? So one of the changes that I would uh, love to see in the industry is um, I'd love to see uh, an evolution of uh, regulation. Um, when you look at the fintech space, actually the financial uh, tech, uh, financial services space, uh, it's it's been stuck uh, for quite some time, and uh, financial technology is beginning to make that change uh, and evolve. Uh, but the problem is that regulation isn't changing as fast, so. Uh, one of the things, the key things that I would want to see is uh, regulators and uh, uh, the mainstream financial institutions becoming agile in how they think, in how they uh, develop regulation, in how they develop new products, uh, because the market is evolving really. And it is important that uh, uh, the regulators and the main players evolve along with the market. They become uh, they become more agile, they become more flexible. So uh, for me, that is the key thing that I would want to see change in the industry. And that was our CEO of the week, Bob Rugambwa, and what a story that has been. And a look at some of the stories making it into the podcast. Intra-African trade is on the rise with at least 50% of the countries on the continent trading with each other, a new survey shows. According to the Africa CEO survey by Pan-African Private Sector Trade and Investment Committee, half of the respondents surveyed import goods or services from other African countries. The survey aimed at gauging business leaders' sentiments around the intra-African trade, that is the African continent of free trade area's impact on their businesses and different measures needed to make the African continental free trade area successful, as well as their views about economic growth and recovery in Africa in 2021 and 2022. The top four export destinations in Africa for respondents' businesses are the four biggest Anglophone economies on the continent. A total of 27% of survey participants reported that they export to South Africa, closely followed by Ghana and Kenya, both with 25%. Nigeria comes forth with 19%, despite having a far bigger economy than either Ghana or Kenya. Foods, drinks and tobacco, professional services and agricultural materials, most common products exported to and imported from Africa. In inflation news, the annual inflation rate in Malawi has climbed to 11.1% in November from 9.8% in October. This is the highest inflation rate since January of 2020, pushed up by prices of both food and non-food products. On a monthly basis, consumer prices have gone up 3.3%, the same pace as in the previous month, which was the steepest rise in January of 2018. Staying with inflation, the annual rate in Namibia has risen to 4.1% in November from 3.6% in October, hitting the highest level since June. The main contributions for the overall rise in inflation were transport, food and non-alcoholic beverages, and miscellaneous goods and services. Meanwhile, costs declined for clothing and footwear and communications. On a monthly basis, consumer prices edged up 0.7% 
in November compared to 0.2% uptick in the previous month. And a look at the markets. Chinese creditors have sued China Evergrande for more than $13 billion in the allegedly overdue payments as domestic companies owed money by the battle developer race against offshore bondholders to secure a payment. A Chinese court assigned to handle the civil lawsuits against Evergrande has accepted 367 cases with claims totaling to $13.2 billion, according to official records reviewed by the Financial Times. The claims were submitted between August 24th and December 9th when the group was declared to be restricted default by Fitch Ratings. Analysts said the timing of the claims demonstrates that domestic creditors have lost confidence in the ability of Evergrande, the world's mostly highly leveraged developer, to pay off its debts well before the default declaration. Thank you for always waking up with us. Good morning, Africa is a product of K Financial. And if you have any suggestions or you just want to check out more stories, visit our website. That is at kfinancial.com. And don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at the K Financial. And you can find me at Githadong on Twitter.